This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Today, we are in the final installment on this four-week series that we've been in, Hope Has Come, and uh, Dad preached one of those uh, messages for us, and I'm finalizing that this week, the third installment that I've been able to, to preach. Uh, we've just been talking about this idea that, that hope literally came down in the form of Christ so that we could live a life filled with hope, um, a life anchored to something immovable, unshakable, because the truth is, we know this, dark days will come. Uh, we, we as Christians are not immune to heartache and pain, disappointment and hurt. Uh, what I have found is that if you spend your energy trying to stop the dark days, you're going to find yourself coming up empty because you can't stop them. Uh, bad days are going to happen. Uh, the storms of life are inevitable, and I think too many people are using their emotional energy on trying to keep them from happening rather than refocusing our energy and our time and our thoughts on scriptural truths that we've been looking at, allowing those truths to dominate our thinking so that when those bad days do come, while all hell may be breaking loose around you, you can stand firm in the middle of it. Something holds you in the middle of it. The telltale sign of a person that's hope-filled, a person filled with hope, is revealed during those storms. Do you drift with them? Do you find yourself shaken, unsettled, not at peace? Does the, does the slightest thing just mess you up? Uh, if so you probably aren't anchored correctly, or you might be anchored to the wrong source. Final installment today during this series, we've talked about this hope that we can possess. It's something that we can actually transfer and, and give away so that our lives can be firm and, and secure based on Romans chapter 6. Last week, we talked about the challenge of hoping again. Easy to hope once. Boy, it's difficult when your hopes have been dashed destroyed, the thing that you had the most hope in, that you actually experienced, when that's taken away, it's hard, it's difficult to hope again. And uh, we heard the story of an incredible couple that exemplified that idea of hoping again. Um, and then we looked at four ways to do that, refocusing our minds, right, releasing our past, renouncing our fears, and renewing our hearts. If we're able to do those things, hope Hope, yes, can become more than a, a hallmark moment for us. It can be a life that we live. So we've defined it. We know what it is. We've looked at the source of hopelessness, the greatest enemy of hope in your life, your past and your fears. And we've been looking at a couple of guys in the Bible that had many moments of hopelessness. Jeremiah, who was very verbal about his hopelessness, the entire book of the Bible, lamenting, complaining, whining about the hopelessness in his life. And Job, of course, today... I'd like to look at a question that we've looked at earlier in this series. Job chapter 17, Job asks a question. Job 17 verse 13, and this is the question that he asks. Where then is my hope? He's basically saying, where, where, is, where do I find it? Where is the source of hope for me? And who can see any hope for me? Have you ever felt like that? Can I just tell you, most people look for hope in all of the wrong places. It's like that, what's that old song? Looking for love. And, uh, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, the SNL buckwheat thing that they used to do with that whole thing? Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Maybe, maybe you're looking for it in a relationship. 
in a spouse, in a job, in, in making more money. Um, I, I've even watched people try to find their hope in their kids. Um, and their kids become their only source of joy, and they put all of their time and energy into their kids. And sometimes, unknowingly, they place all of their hopes and dreams and aspirations in their kids. Um, now, don't get me wrong, Ashley and I love our kids. Um, but can I just tell you, um, it's enough to deal with your own life, let alone having to deal with the pressure and the hopes of someone else's life too. And when you self-impose that on your kids, it's a lot of pressure for your child to, to handle. They, they know when they've become the anchor to your soul. We put our hope in a lot of things. And the majority of the time, the things that we put our hope in are temporary. They don't last. How many, how many kids uh, a few days ago placed all of their hopes in something that was under the tree? They'd been hoping for weeks, for months, nagging mom and dad. I'm not bitter. But they've been wearing you out about something that's going to bring them eternal joy. I tell you, um, there's nothing worse as a parent Maybe there's a few things, but you know, you 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 watch your kids are ripping through these presents, and you think, man, this gift is going to revolute. This is the thing they've been asking for, longing for. They rip through it, and they flippantly toss it aside to rip through the next thing. And you're just gonna go, whoa, 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 whoa! You just opened the thing that you've been wearing me out about for six weeks. What do you, uh, you know? Or, you know, they, 15 minutes later, they're coming to you, and it's like, I'm bored, and you're like. You have got, I'm going to punch you right in the face. <laughs> Merry Christmas. What do you mean you're bored? Uh, you were dying for that thing. Uh, or, of course, in our case, um, with three boys, it's broken. Okay, great. Well, that lasted 10 minutes. Perfect. I'm glad I bought that. That's good. Um, tell you what, isn't this, isn't this a microcosm of the lives they watch adults live? Um, we, we jump from gift to gift, the latest and greatest, constantly striving for the next best thing or the next best person to come along, only to find ourselves bored a few weeks later. Because if you put your hope in temporary things, it's simply not going to last. Look at this verse with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, into things, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. The question that Job is asking here, is there anything that I can place my hope in that will not be uncertain? Is there something that I, that's definite? Romans uh, chapter 16, I love this, verse 13, listen. May God the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace. And let me ask you, are you joyful? Are you at peace? That, then God may not be the, the source through your faith in him. Then, then what happens? Then you'll overflow with hope. I want to tell you today, this today is a very practical message. As we wrap up this series, we start looking at the new year. Some final thoughts. 
some principles and truths on this topic of hope. We'll even recap some of the things we've discussed. But the goal of this practical message is not that it's just easy to remember and you can rattle off all the points. The goal is that you can walk out of here and implement something pretty immediate that brings some change to your life. Um, during my study this week, I, I've found five ways, at least five ways, that God offers that we can gain hope from. Five sources of hope for our lives. And I just want to challenge you. I'm going to to place a challenge. Try to implement all five over the next week. Not just one of them, but at some point, I want you to implement, gain hope from all five of these sources that are readily available to you. The first one, source, source number one, where we can find hope, God's presence. God's presence. It's amazing to me the number of Christians who never truly fully experience the presence of God. That is, that is so available to us. Chances are you've had moments where you've encountered God. You walk away going, wow, that was really powerful. God was in that moment. And yet, did you know God had the intent of experiencing his presence every day. Every day. He, he knew that all of us, were gonna, we were going to need this place. Some, some call it a secret place. He knew that we were going to need a place that we can retreat to, a place when you're confused and you're messed up. It would, you know, it would probably be embarrassing for us to go around the room and for us to share what messes us up. You know, you hear someone say, man, this just really did me in this week. And you hear them share it and you go, really? That, that doesn't seem like that. And yet, if I were to share the things that mess, you'd go, wow, that's really not that big of a, a deal. It's in those moments that make us mad or they disappoint us or we get our feelings hurt. You, you literally feel it affecting you. In those moments when you're ready to lose it, if you'll just... Pause. Yeah, even if it's just five minutes. Five minutes. I, I have um, a couple of playlists on my iPod or in my iTunes that, that I default to. In those moments, they're filled with worship songs. Some of it's some old school stuff. Some of it's some new school stuff. But I, I just, I get away and I immediately find myself. The thing that was that it was just so massive, and the thing that I was just blowing out of proportion, all of a sudden, as I start to enter his presence, it starts to become smaller, and he starts to become bigger. I, I get a sense of peace and calm over my life. I'm, I'm talking about worship. I, I'm not talking about the songs that we do just for the front of the service, and we just do it so that's the segment of this. No, no, no. It's that place that God intended when the storms come, he offers a source of hope, and it's in his presence. Uh, that's why David, David said it this way, Psalm chapter 62, verse 5. Find rest, O my soul. He's, he's talking to himself. Soul, find rest. Where? In God alone. My hope comes from him, I'm telling you, if you can learn in those moments to go to that place, you will literally feel your soul anchoring itself, hooking into something. And again, test me on it this week. Test me on it. 
challenge. The problem will still be there. It's not just moving you anymore. It, it doesn't create instability in your life, but instead his presence moves you to a place of rest and peace and trust and ultimately hope. I was uh, reading this morning. Uh, let me just see if I can. I was reading this. I just came across this this morning. I was reading this. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep, God will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Because he trusts in you. His mind is steadfast. He keeps you in perfect peace. That's why the days of 21 days of prayer and fasting is so important. We, we take that time. We, we set it aside. During that time, I tell you, I not only try to quiet my soul, but I try to quiet my schedule. How many know um, someone will always have something to put on your calendar for you? Right? You are the only one that will protect your calendar. And I look at this little device that brings so much convenience to my life, supposedly, and sometimes I'm slave to this thing, and I, I get mad at the appointments on it. Not real. I'm the one accepting them. I'm the one saying, yeah, I'll be there. Do it. During these 21 days, what I not only quiet my, I quiet my schedule. I have fewer voices coming in. Um, some of you wonder why you've never been able to quiet your soul, and you never stop and slow down and wait long enough for your heart to get at a normal pace. Um, it's just go, 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 go all the time. It, you know, it really is true. Sometimes less is more. You'll be amazed at what God will say to you, what he will reveal to you, if you'll just take time to stop and listen. At some point, you have to replenish yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm, con- I'm convinced there are loads of us running on fumes. Uh, not just physically. It's not, it's not how God intended his... How attractive does that look in the workplace when the Christian is the most ragged, discouraged person? Think about that. You're running on fumes. We get so busy that we forget the principle of replenishing our spirit, our soul. Learning how to experience God's presence. I'll tell you, sometimes half the battle is just slowing down long enough. Isaiah... Chapter 40, listen to how he says it. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. King James Version says, those who wait, wait and hope. They will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here, how, how, would you, how would you describe your flying these days? Is there a lot of flapping going on? Striving? Just trying to stay up? Would you say that you're soaring? Think about this. Uh, What is happening when you see an eagle soaring? It's not, not a lot of activity going on, is there? Those who wait, those who hope, will soar. There's peace and rest, and it's beautiful. New energy and life comes to you as you wait in his presence. Telling you, it's, proof, it's a source of hope in your life. And if you don't do it, you can still go to heaven. You can still make it in. But every time you face a storm, 
you won't be anchored, right? The Bible says that even Jesus would get away. He would get away and he would go to what it calls a certain place, a place to retreat. Even Jesus would get away to replenish his, his soul. You've heard me say this before. Even the Messiah didn't have a Messiah's complex. Who, who do we think we are? He recognized the need, the benefit of connecting with God's presence. Second source of hope that I found this week, God's promises. God's presence, God's promises. I'm talking about the promises that come in his word. We talked about this last week. For too many people, the reading of the Bible has just become this discipline of sorts that somehow makes God love you more. And it's, it's a part of our lives to a certain extent. We love it. It's a nice book. But it hasn't taken root in your thought life and it hasn't become a bedrock in your life. I'm telling you, if there's anything that's, that's solid, that, that, that your anchor can hook into, it's this book. It's this book. It's endured thousands of... People can say what they want to say about it. They can make movies, the weird interpretations of it. But no one can argue that this book has become a solid, stable force in the lives of people. And if you're not going to apply Scripture to your life every day and allowing its promises and truths to dominate your thinking, you'll eventually be all right. You may even squeak it into heaven. But every time a storm comes, you won't have something. Why? Because you haven't anchored your soul in his promises. Something that can make your life firm. And so I'm talking about making these verses a part of your thinking. The next time that you... Face sickness. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your sin and heals all of your disease. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Isn't that good? Next time you're facing financial difficulty, Philippians chapter 4, 19. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. The next time you're in a battle, First John, greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that's in you than, than he that's in the world. The, the next time you're, you're facing fear, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then? Whom then shall I be afraid of? I'm just saying, th- this is not just some nice historical Sunday school storybook. This book is alive, friend, and it can bring life to your soul, to your spirit. Psalm 119, verse 81, listen to this. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. Boy, I tell you, life, life will wear you down. Life will throw some things at you that, that literally suck the life out of you. And you'll become weary and longing. Calgon, take me away. We read this one last week, Lamentations chapter 3. Yet I call this to mind. Listen to Jeremiah. I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Why? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Applying this to your life. I'm just, I'm just giving you the challenge. This week, 
God's promises are a source of hope in your life. Third source, God's presence, his promises. A third source would probably not be one that you might think would be on the list. Um, Any of you that know me know that this is part of my life's message. Uh, But when I started looking at this and studying this week, uh, it was obvious to me that this, this is a source of hope in your life, and it's this, God's process. God's process. What I, what I mean by that is this. Every one of us is going to face difficult circumstances that God somehow, some way uses to mold your character and to develop hope in you. Look, look at Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 2. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so in that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. I'm still looking for the person that does that. (laughs) Why are you so happy today? I'm suffering. Thank you, Jesus. This is so good. I love you, God. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know, listen, we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character hope. Now, I don't know if you want to try to do that this week. You see, the people that understand God's process also understand that bad days can be totally redefined. At the end of them, I don't like it now, but at the end of this, my character, I'm going to be a better person. Every one of you, listen, if if I came to every one of you and I asked you, tell tell me something that helped you grow, something that helped you mature, that made you the person you are today. I would, probably all of you would not tell me a happy, feel-good story. You know what you'd tell me? You'd tell me about your darkest day. You'd, You'd tell me about the worst experience of your life. Why? Because it developed you. It It made you who you are today. And now, when you have dark days, since we know that they're coming, it's still hard to do, but we know it's on the other side of it. We can say, God, I don't like this, but I can appreciate it because I know that I'm going to be better because of it. I'm going to be the person you you called me to be. It's people like the Volmans that understand God has this uncanny, unique ability to take all of the stuff, take all of it, and somehow, some way, turn it around and cause it. You, you look at it and you go, how could any good come out of that? And God somehow, some way. Why? Because they understand that where there is no pain, there is no gain. Now, we understand that physically. We go work out at the gym and it hurts, baby. Well, I, I don't. Some of you go out to the gym and you work out. Not me so much. I know that surprises you with my physique that I don't work out. Um, (laughs) I'm just thankful that one woman was attracted to pale and scrawny. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. That's what does it for Ashley Webb. (laughs) They know that the listen. They know that the pain. It's going to produce some pecs and this ripped physique. We understand this physically. We need to understand it spiritually. This is a lifelong lesson. That when you suffer, you're going to be better in the end for it. 
And the people that understand that, those are people that have another source available to them. I, you know, when Ashley and I went through um, our church planting training through ARC, the organization that we, we planted through, they have this one day where you sit in a, a circle with three or four other uh, church planters and a coach. And they sit in the circle and they say, okay, uh, we would like for you to lead us through the salvation message. Now, you're sitting there with three other church planters. These are believers and a coach. And they say, we, this is, you've just shared the salvation. We would like you to lead these other pastors through the salvation message. And you're sitting there in a circle and they're looking at you like this. Kind of like you guys are looking at me like right now. And it is the most awkward, uncomfortable thing in the world. So you're like, okay, I would like for you to um, bow your heads. And uh, maybe, maybe you've never said this prayer before. I know you're a church planter, but maybe you've never said this before. Maybe, maybe you'd like to make God first in your life today. It's the most, it's just like, what, in the, what are they doing? They intentionally make it awkward on purpose. Uh, why? Because they know that suffering produces character. Uh, we need to understand, boy, the things that we don't, that cause discomfort in our life, that cause us to have to adjust. Boy, I didn't like that. Boy, it made us better, though. Makes you a better communicator. You're thinking through, okay, how, how is this really supposed to sound? Does that sound weird? Truly appreciating what God is accomplishing in your life. God's process. Fourth, fourth source of hope. God's presence. His promises. His process. God's purpose. God's purpose. For those of you taking notes, after you've written that down, I want you to just look at me. I want you to hear me. If you do not know why you are drawing breath, if you don't know why God placed you on this planet, if you've not found, I'm not talking about your vocation, I'm talking about something bigger, something way beyond that. I'm talking about the reason God created you. If you don't know what your, your purpose is and you aren't living that out to the best of your ability, what, what hope is there? Really? I mean, I mean, are we just now relegated to just surviving? Clocking in and clocking out, merely existing? Is this the abundant, overcoming life that he came for us to ex- experience? But to know, know, to know that you have something in your life much bigger, something giving you significance, a reason to get up in the morning, to have something be the, the ultimate focus of your life, not just paying the bills. That's why Paul said, I fought the good fight. It was a fight, but it was good. It was good, but it was, it was a fight. And miracle of all miracles is this. I don't only fought the good fight, but I finished the course with joy. Why? Because he saw the bigger picture. So beyond the beatings, beyond the jailings, beyond the difficulties, beyond all of the struggle, in fact, he said, listen, at one point he said, I consider my life to be rubbish. Why? Because he, he was able to see the, the big picture, so focused, so consumed by his purpose. It's one of the, the reasons, just last week, every third Sunday of the month, we do discovery. And one of the reasons we do that is to just sit down with people and do a personality assessment, spiritual gifting assessment. It's a, I, I love doing it. It's so cool to watch. Now, sometimes it just confirms what people already knew about themselves. Other times... They're, they're in the middle of this class. We had four people go through last week. 
I've been going through that class times and someone goes, I never knew that about, I was never able to really express that's, that's who I am. That's who God made me to be. This is what I find fulfillment doing. And honestly, it's not, it's not even for, for us. Yes, we get the benefit of understanding you better and having a better idea of where you can serve. Yes, but the real reason we do that, the best way to pastor you is to give you something bigger than your life, bigger than your problems. And every time someone finds something that brings significance to their life and fulfillment to their life, something that may not even be associated to your job or what you get paid to do, it offers a source of hope in your life. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. We know this verse. We quote it a lot. Let me just say before I read this, this this scripture is often used out of context. This prophecy is given seventy uh, given before they experience seventy years of captivity. Okay, this is not coming out on the other side and going, "Woohoo, we have a hope in the future." This prophecy is given to them before they experience seventy years of captivity to the Babylonians, and God says to them, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you, not to harm you." Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, when we hear that from God, when do we expect that to happen? Yesterday. Not 70 years from now. Notice, notice those two words there. Hope and future are, are directly connected. More often than not, when, when I spend time with someone who has lost vision for their future, they lost hope a long time ago. Conversely, You will never find your hope until you find what your future needs to be. They're interconnected. Man, if you're really, I'm telling you, if you're really serious about, I am giving you lifelong principles on how to have a hope-filled life. God's presence. God's promises. God's process. His purpose. Final source of hope. We'll go home and eat some more leftovers. God's place. God's place. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking with the disciples and he says this to them, don't let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I am going there to prepare a place for you. Think about this. He's He's, he's preparing a place for you. Boy, this is the ultimate hope. If all you have is this, this earth, God bless you. I, I love Nashville just as much as anyone loves. I was just telling someone before service, boy, I just love Nashville. love this city. love Mount Juliet. love living here. love Middle Tennessee. I'm telling you, if this is all you got, heaven help you. Heaven help you. Because this was never designed to be your stopping point. You're supposed to just be passing through. And when you have the ultimate destination in your sights, you're not crushed when life doesn't deal you the the hand that you wanted to be dealt. You're okay, because you're just passing through. This is a source of hope in your life. 1 Peter 1, verse 4. God has reserved for his children... The priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you. And God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely. To receive it because you're trusting him. 
So truly be glad. Be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though the go I love this. Even though the going is rough for a while down here. Well, the scripture reminds us not to put our hope in this place. But our hope comes with the knowledge. There's a better place. For those of you that have even had loved ones pass away, we often hear people say, I, I lost a loved one. If they were serving the Lord, and if you're serving the Lord, you're, here's the ultimate hope. You didn't lose them. You didn't lose them. You, you invested them in another place. But you didn't lose them. The ultimate hope. It's what the, it's what the Bible in Titus calls the blessed hope. Titus chapter 2. While we wait for this blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's preparing a place. We can anchor our souls in that truth. Five sources of hope. Simple message, guys. Simple message. Boy, we overcomplicate it. We look for some grandiose idea or some revolutionary thought that just blows our mind that we can tweet out on 140 characters. I'm telling you, this is the simplicity of the gospel. So simple. And yet I spend time with multitudes of Christians that aren't experiencing a hope-filled life because they don't experience his presence. And they they don't anchor themselves in his promises. Boy, they fight the process. Oh, they fight it. They don't even know why they're here. What? What's my purpose? Most of them get the last one, that ultimate hope of heaven, living however I want down here and just squeaking through to get into the place. He's called you to a, a greater life, a hope-filled life. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School. Or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.